Hello there. Going through a divorce? Considering one? Sorry to hear that. But here you are. Welcome to Splitsville. You'll find Splitsville to be a pretty unique place. A new world, really, with its own rules, its own expectations, and in many ways, its own language. But don't worry. You have a knowledgeable guide along the way. A family law attorney with three decades of experience under her belt. And now, here she is. Your host and guide, Lee Sellers. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Welcome to Splitsville. I'm your host and guide, Lee Sellers, founder of Touchstone Family Law. And in this episode, I'll be answering another question that many newcomers to Splitsville have. How to divorce a narcissist. So let's dive in. So we're back with Bretta Collins, and I am often, Bretta, asked the question, when they come in and want to meet with me for a consultation, I will have prospective clients say, how familiar are you with narcissists? And are you good at divorcing narcissists? Because my spouse is a narcissist and, and, you know, I need somebody who, who can deal with them. And it is becoming a pretty prevalent question in today's society. Mm-hmm. So I would guess that you are dealing with couples who come in who accuse each other mm-hmm. of being narcissists. Are you seeing that? I see it a lot. And it's interesting because we all have traits of narcissism. And narcissistic personality disorder is something that's diagnosable. But without meeting the criteria of that, we wouldn't say that this person is a narcissist. We can say they have narcissistic tendencies. Again, we all do. But there are people that really push on the bell curve close to being diagnosable, maybe not quite there, but the trauma of divorce and the challenge of divorce can really spark that Um, those narcissistic tendencies and traits to show themselves more fully. So despite all of the um, Mm self-diagnosis and spouse diagnosis Mm -hmm. that that I'm seeing out there, explain to our listeners what what we mean when we use that term, Um, because I think laymen use it differently than clinicians. Sure. So we know narcissistic tendencies, the hallmark of narcissism is a lack of empathy. Empathy is when you're able to see an experience from the eyes of someone else. Um, I like to tell my couples in counseling, sympathy is seeing somebody fall down a hole and standing at the top of the hole and saying, oh, I'm so sorry you fell down the hole. Empathy is jumping down in the hole to help them out, to put yourself in their experience. So a narcissist, a true narcissist, is unable to experience the emotion of empathy, which makes it very, very difficult to be married to, uh, to co-parent with, and ultimately to separate and divorce from. Because with the lack of empathy and regard for their partner, um, they are capable of making choices and decisions that can be quite shocking. Um, Self-importance. Narcissism, the hallmark, another hallmark trait of a narcissist would be the self-importance, the feeling of being more important than the people around him or her true belief in being more important. Narcissists tend to 
cling on are charming, a lot of times extraordinarily intelligent, very good at what they do. So from the outside, they have the kind of perfect package, but on the inside, they tend to be critical, um, say hurtful things, demean, feel better than. Um, so you can see how that could be a very difficult personality to work with, um, live with, be married to, and ultimately divorce. The other thing that narcissists tend to have is a history of trauma. So it is a disorder that is created through trauma in childhood. And there is some research that says that there's some genetic component to it. But underneath all of their self-importance and their lack of empathy and lack of regard for others and their belief in being better, they're extraordinarily insecure. So if we start to step on boundaries, create boundaries or stand up for ourselves around a narcissist, it's going to create a lot of volatility in them. Um, narcissists also have something called narcissistic rage. It's where they blow up and um, say horrible things are almost out of control. And they can then kind of put a top on it. And no one around them would ever know they were capable of that other than maybe their coworkers or their spouse or their children. And, um, you were mentioning that they were very charming because you would almost wonder how that sort of personality would ever end up in a marriage Absolutely. to begin with. So Extraordinarily um, charming. They In a dating relationship, we see this personality really come on fast. The partners that are attracted to narcissists typically feel like they found this perfect person, their soulmate. Um, and then once they've kind of got the person hooked, for lack of a better word, there's their true colors start to come out. But a lot of times that's when the person is so far into the relationship, they've got children or whatever that is, they're unable to see how to get away from it. And so you've talked about um, that they can be um, difficult to live with, which mm -hmm. I think with your work in therapy would be something you would be working on. But you've also gone ahead and mentioned that they could be difficult to divorce. Very difficult. Um, tell me what your observations are there. So we know if a, if a true narcissist is in couples counseling, they are only there for the appearance of showing um, that they're trying to save their marriage, even if the intent is not there. Uh, narcissists do not come to therapy. So they also don't take advice from others. And because of that belief in being better than, they think they're smarter than their attorney. They think they're smarter than, their, than any therapist, smarter than their spouse. So you can see that this is somebody who is going to have a very, very hard time being negotiated with. You know, what I see, um, once couples decide to divorce with one of them being a narcissist, I never see that person again. A lot of times the spouse will continue to come and see me because they've been kind of a victim of narcissistic abuse. And we know that the process of divorcing this person is going to be so tumultuous and terrible, which is unfortunate. I'm sure as an attorney, you've seen this. And we know that the person who's divorcing the narcissist is the one who's going to need and be the recipient of support. And I was going to ask you, do you see like any trends? Are the narcissists tending to be the more successful economically of a pair? Or is that like too broad of a generalization? Well, it's interesting. The, the clientele that I work with, that does tend to be the case. We know that there is incredible drive in a lot of narcissists to be better than, right? They already feel better than and they want to prove that they're better than. So 
they typically in my office are high wage earners. Um, and a lot of times the spouse is dependent financially, which makes the divorce extraordinarily tricky. Um, and this is a situation where we can see the children often used as bargaining tools because of that lack of empathy, right? It's mm-hmm. not how can we make this the healthiest and best for everyone? It's how can I win? And so it can become a really ugly process for everyone involved. And you you mentioned the kind of a drive that kind of makes them successful. Is there any component of it that is um, related to making the people around them less successful? Is that like part of also being successful? Do you find that there's any I don't know, gaslighting or... Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. So the gaslighting component is extraordinarily damaging to the recipients. This is where people are made to question their own reality. So someone with strong narcissistic tendencies may say something and then 15 minutes later deny ever saying it. And when you are the recipient of that type of behavior day in and day out, the person who is the partner to the narcissist begins to question their own reality. And it gets extraordinarily tricky and can create a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. And then when the narcissist is doing this with the children, you know, they're young, their reality begins to become skewed. So it can become a really mentally health damaging experience for everyone. So you've mentioned that, I guess, some of the research seems to suggest that um, there is some sort of childhood trauma Mm -hmm. that is um, a catalyst Mm -hmm. for, I guess, a budding narcissist. So does that mean that there's anything that can be done to educate or, you know, is there a detox or a therapeutic uh, fix for a narcissist? Um, Is there hope? Well, there is hope. Part of the hope is that a lot of people with extraordinarily strong narcissistic tendencies tend to level out in middle age or a little beyond. So 45 to 55, we see a lot of the mellowing of a lot of the symptoms. We're not, they're not going to gain empathy. We're not going to see that, but we'll see the mellowing of the gaslighting and of the raging and of the put downs and the criticisms and those types of things. There are people who are committed to changing for whatever reason has caused them to come to that. And it takes a lot of therapy and a lot of time. And sometimes that lack of empathy, they can be taught social skills to display empathy, but they may not ever truly feel empathy. Um, It's rare that we see someone who's been diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder to reach out for therapy on their own. Um, But people with very, very strong narcissistic traits can be helped. And a lot of times we see that happen when they get like a, what we call a narcissistic fracture to their ego. They've gotten laid off. Somebody else got the promotion. The economy tanked in 2008 and it really unsettled a lot of people. But Some people took that as an ego injury rather than just an economic crisis. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when those types of things happen, sometimes it can be pushed into therapy, but it's a long process. So it sounds like that if you're in one of these relationships or in one of these marriages, you might be trying to get your spouse into therapy to save your marriage. But it it sounds like that, that it's not the most successful recipe 
Mm -hmm. um, for saving a marriage. If you really have someone with very strong narcissistic tendencies or who is truly diagnosable Mm -hmm. with that disorder. It is very hard for the partner of the narcissist to get to a position and feeling confident and working towards separation and divorce because of kind of this narcissistic abuse. Um, a lot of times this is someone who lacks confidence has been alienated or isolated, has spent so much time protecting children that they've lost a lot of their support network. So it's a difficult, difficult uh, process for the partner who decides that they can no longer stay in the marriage. A lot of times, the stronger narcissistic tendencies tend to have multiple infidelities. Um, and sometimes that can be the catalyst for the person to finally decide, I can't do this anymore. Um, it could be a narcissist, a narcissistic rage that goes a little too far and crosses the boundary um, that the person has made in their own mind. But it, it typically is a long process for someone to decide because they also know it's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And to gear up for that type of fight, for lack of a better word, when they're already lacking energy is very difficult. So what sort of tools do you um, suggest that if someone has made the decision that they're not going to stay in this marriage, um, what sort of tools do you suggest that they gather (laughs) to help them get through this process? Well, I think a good therapist is key because, again, that questioning of their own reality. So I recommend that these people keep a journal because when they write down what has been said or what has occurred or where the money has gone or whatever the issue is, they can look back and remember like, yes, this was true. Even though my partner is saying this didn't happen, I wrote it down and it did happen. So I think journaling is extraordinarily important for the partner of the narcissist. I think a good therapist is very, very important. If financial resources don't allow for a therapist, you know, again, I look at churches as a wonderful, wonderful resource for people. They have Stephen ministers and on staff counseling sometimes. There's free and reduced rate mental health centers in Charlotte that people can reach out to and use, and as well as in other areas. Um, but I do think a therapist is very important to help the person process through kind of the trauma that they've lived under. And what can you do if you have? been traumatized by this relationship? What are some of the steps that you can take to to develop the strength that you're going to need to uh, stand up for what you need during this process when this person on the other side is is going to be so difficult? Yeah, this is where a strong support network can come and it's very handy and valuable. One good friend, one person that you can talk to openly and honestly which again, for a lot of people is, is not something that they have. And especially for the partners of narcissists, they've not been honest with their parents, with their friends, with their neighbors, um, about what's going on in their marriages. And so to be honest with somebody who isn't your therapist is incredibly freeing. Um, and then this person also can become part of the support network. You know, I recommend for any of my clients meditation. Um, There's lots of apps on their phone that they can download for free that can help them center because their anxiety is going to be high during this period. Um, So we know if we can calm our minds for just five minutes a day, give our nervous system a break, 
we can help kind of some of that anxiety decrease. Exercise is extraordinarily important, taking care, um, getting rest, eating properly, all the things that we've heard all of our lives, um, very, very important in that process. So I don't, this may just be a, a layman's observation, but I have often felt like I've seen a correlation with the victims of sort of these narcissistic relationships. Unfortunately, fall into coping mechanisms, which are very unhealthy for them. So I seem to see a lot of abuse of alcohol or other substances for the person who has sort of been the victimized um, narcissist. Um, Is that just because I have such a weird um, skewed um, subsection (laughs) of narcissist or is this very common? Mm -hmm. Narcissists are very deliberate in who they choose as their partners. Um, So the partner of a narcissist is typically very giving is someone who is accustomed to putting their needs second or last. Um, And so this personality is kind of predisposed to attracting a narcissist. Um, But this is a personality who may not have the best coping mechanisms going into the relationship. And so to develop new ones in this process would be key. Increase in drinking is so common, so common for anyone going through a divorce that I see, but um, especially for people who have been um, kind of the victim of this narcissistic abuse, um, increase in spending money, increase in shopping, you know, lots of kind of unhealthy coping mechanisms. And I just caution people to be really careful. We know that increase in substance abuse quickly turns into dependent drinking during really difficult times. So the temptation is to increase the drinking to kind of drown out some of the anxiety and fear. Um, But what we see is this is where people turn into dependent drinkers. So I would caution against that. Mm. So it sounds like one of the first steps, if the marriage is really over and and they're not going to continue to, to live in this relationship, that before they get started, they really need to go ahead and almost train. It sounds like they need to get in shape. Right. Because they are really going to face an uphill battle for a while. That's just unfortunately the reality. Thankfully, there's people like you who can help represent them and their legal interests um, and people like me who can help bolster their emotional strength. But it is a really, really difficult process for them. You know, this comes in also to if there's children involved and the contentiousness of the divorce proceedings affecting the kids, it can just, it kind of reverberates um, and takes on a life of its own sometimes. So what would be some of the goals that you would want to help um, if you're divorcing a narcissist? Boundaries, 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 boundaries. (laughs) So talk about some of those. What we know is a lot of times the partner of the narcissist has lost sense of self. And so the boundaries that they try to put in place have been disregarded for so long um, that they've quit trying. And so if the decision is made to separate and divorce, the boundaries have to be firm and tight. Um, A lot of times these are people who do have to move to electronic communication. And I tell my clients the BIF, brief, informative, friendly, and factual. And that is all we need to communicate. There's any opening to infringe upon the boundary the narcissist is going to take. Um, And so the first thing that we work on is how can we establish boundaries and be strong enough to enforce the boundaries, even when the narcissistic partner is angry? How can we deal with that anger? 
because for so long, the partner of the narcissist has taken that anger on as his or her own. Um, and so we really want to fortify against that type of behavior. So, Bretta, would you think that one of the tools that these victims of narcissistic personalities, and, and this can be men or women, because mm-hmm. we're, I mean, I certainly see the narcissist being both sexes. So. Absolutely. With the greatest increase right now being women. So mm-hmm. it, we used to think of this as a male issue. Um, we know that the incidence of narcissism is growing and that the demographic that's growing is women. And, um, you know, to me, it seems like it w- might be helpful for the victim of a, abusive in any situation, mm-hmm. but particularly one of these emotionally narcissist relationships is uh, perhaps to, to find a skill set to mm-hmm. return to a workforce or return to yes. some activity with which they have proficiency and they, they can take pride in. Absolutely. Again, because so many times um, the identity has been lost. And so if you're thinking divorce, which is a loss of an identity, and then no sense of self or little sense of self, an, an activity, uh, a new challenge is absolutely something that would be beneficial to that person. And with the financial situation that a lot, a lot of these people find themselves in, it's a necessity. And so we work to develop confidence and the person embarking on a new adventure, a new job, a new skill, whatever that may be, um, and create an action plan to make that happen. What about volunteering? Would that be helpful? Absolutely. Volunteering is one of our most valuable things that we can do for ourselves. It combats depression. And so somebody who has been in a relationship that has caused anxiety and depression and lack of sense of self, volunteering can be something that really brings them back to life, back into something that they're passionate about um, and gives new meaning. And when you're dealing with children Mm -hmm. of this dynamic, who have watched this kind of parenting and and this marriage in their household, what would be some good tools for that parent who's who's separating from the narcissist uh, to really have and to make sure that they can continue to um, parent their children separately. When you talk about the the narcissist using the children mm-hmm. as, as a pawn, what should they be prepared to do to not counteract it, but mm-hmm. recognize it or, or work with it? You know, what sort of skill set are they going to need to use and what should they be careful about? This is a person who is going to, again, need a lot of support because this person is going to need to offer safety and security and predictability. And so if children get that from one parent in one household, that's enough. Um, But we can't have children going from household to household where neither are offering that. And so we're asking the person who's the most exhausted, um, who's been, again, a victim of this narcissistic abuse, to kind of step up to the plate and give more of themselves. But for their children, um, a lot of times they're able to do that. But again, they need a lot of support while doing it. I think it's important for this person to remember the safety and security that they offer their children is going to be where the children's resiliency and coping mechanisms come from. And that is enough. 
because you're going through a divorce, what would be some things that you recommend that they be seeking? And I know you're not a lawyer, mm-hmm. so it's not, I'm not asking you to do my job, but <laughs> when they're trying to think about what their goal should be, mm-hmm. their lawyer is, is going to try to help them meet their goals. Mm-hmm. So we're dependent on this person. Um, who may be a little beaten down. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is it that you think that they need to be successful and to recover from this? You know, what should they be focused on? This is a person who does need good legal representation, as the narcissist is probably um, not going to be amenable to um, any kind of collaborative divorce experience. Um, their attorney is probably also going to be worn out in the process because they will work with several attorneys in the process, most likely. So the first thing that this person needs is really good, sound legal representation. Um, I recommend that people seek that out first before they get into the talk with their partner about separation. I think it's good for them to have a base knowledge of what of what they can expect on that side of things. I think it's important for them to understand and honor the trauma that they've been through in this relationship and not get baited into that winning mentality, but to figure out what is important to me in this process. Are the children the most important part of this for me? And how do I need to work around this process so that I ultimately get what I really want and hope um, from this? There's just theory of post-traumatic growth. We see this a lot with victims of narcissistic abuse. And these are people that turn a really, really rotten situation into enormous life change um, and real growth for themselves personally. Um, And so what we would hope is through the divorce process that they don't get continually brought down into the narcissistic turmoil that they're able to study themselves, go through the process, understanding what's important to them, what is most important to them, and grow through that process to be proud of the person that they came out of the relationship as. And and that's what I was thinking. It seems like that part of the success of leaving a narcissist isn't going to be any ruling or any court piece of paper. It's going to be the fact that you successfully left Um, this relationship so that you could grow and survive. Right. And to remember what you have control of and control that in a way that you can be proud. And that ultimately would be the successful divorcing of a narcissist. Well, thank you, Bretta. We learned a lot. And again, I, I hope you'll be back because there's so many other topics that I know people would love to hear about that are so relevant to them at this time. Uh, We really appreciate your time. Absolutely. I'd love to come back. So Bretta, people that want more information or want to seek you out and and come see you or or speak to you yourself, where would, where would they best find you? The best way to find me would be at my website, which is www.dillworthcounseling.com. And they can connect with me through email or through calling me. Um, Both of those are available on the website. Thank you very much. Thank you. So there you have it, another neighborhood of Splitsville explored. There's still so much to learn here, so I hope you'll tune in to the next episode. While Splitsville is not a fun place to be, thankfully it is full of helpful people, valuable resources, and sound advice if you know where to look. See you next time. 
The insights and views presented in Welcome to Splitsville are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. Nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. If you're ready for compassionate and reliable legal guidance on your journey, contact Lee Sellers and her team at www.touchstonefamilylaw.com.